Man, really excited for this weekend. Excited for what we're getting ready to dive into. And I would just, I would say it, this, this as clear as I can say it is this. Let the wind blow. Let a tide roll in. Roll out till the whole earth knows that he is a God of love. Let dry bones sing a new song and all the glory to the God of love because of this reason. Revival is in the air. We have never been closer to the the second coming of Jesus Christ than we are right now. We are a generation that is ready to see that. And really, I've I've got one thing for you today as an individual. We're starting a series called From Here to There. And so for you, the person, the individual, God has got a blueprint wherever you find yourself to take you from here to the place he wants to take you, from here to there. This is the, I would say, if I could sum all of God's word up with one thing, he takes people on journeys. He is this gentle, although sometimes invasive and abrupt, but still in a weird way kind of gentle guide in our lives to take us from places of here that aren't as good as what there could be. And here used to be good, but God's always doing new things. And so for you, the individual, God's going to take you from here to there. And this is your time to do that. If you're sitting at home right now and you're online, I want to say hello. Still about 50% of our church is watching week to week from home. And y'all, God wants to take you from where you are here to there. And then this is, um, we've been working on this for over a year. As a church, collectively, as, a, as this expression of the body of Christ, God wants to move us as a church from here to there. Because he's always doing that. He is always a God that is saying, hey, this is great. I made this. This is awesome. But we're going to go someplace. And so as a church, we're going to go from here to there. From here to there, uh, I would ask, what, what, what is the most influential event in your mind of all time? The most influential event that has ever happened in the history of humanity. Some would say the Industrial Revolution. That's a pretty big deal. That changed some things because you've got an iPhone in your pocket probably. Uh, for those who are politically oriented, some would say the French Revolution. For the Marxists in the room, you might say the Russian Revolution. For Muslims, they would say the Hegira uh, in 622 when Muhammad left Mecca and went to Medina. I mean, if you ask people in the world, these are the top four or five answers. Christians would say this unequivocally. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the number one event that has ever happened in the history of mankind. I want to color that a little bit. Jesus chose, I believe from the beginning of time, to make that most important event happen on an event that was being celebrated that up until that time was the most significant event of all time. Matter of fact, I would say Jesus was just putting a better version and an explanation point on this thing that is arguably the most incredible event that has happened in the history of mankind. Here it is. When Jews observed the Passover, this leaving Exodus, this moment of coming from Egypt to a promised land, that is the most incredible event of all time. If you just conjure up in your mind two million people going from being slaves in the most powerful country in a region in a very short time, they are slaves in the most powerful country in a region. And they go from that to there, being the most powerful nation. 
This has never happened since then. This is an incredible story of going from here to there. And I've got one, I've got really one point. It comes from the books of uh, Exodus, chapter 2, 23. Here's what God's word says. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. Uh, I, I think we're all kind of visual learners and at times we need, to, we need a prop. This is what you got to do. Okay? If you don't know it. All right, just get a gander at that real quick. I mean, it's, it's, it's this simple. Some of us, if, we, if I told you to do something extremely complex, right, and detailed, and I gave you a, a spread out or a PDF, and you got to go to the river, and you got to dip seven times, and, you know, you got to wash with this certain essential oil, you'd be like, okay, all right, all right. If you want to go from here to there, according to God's word, what you have to do is you've got to cry out to God. If you want to go from here to there, you've got to cry out to God. Now, I left this little word bubble here blank for a reason. I don't know what you got to say to him. I don't know what it is that you got to put. And I'm going to say, probably, I don't know if it matters what you say. I think your tone might be more important than what you put in the word bubble. I would even venture to say the position and attitude of your heart is more important than what you put in the word bubble. But there's some reasons that some of us aren't putting anything in the word bubble. We're not doing this. We're not crying out to God. I think, I don't, for me, sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's been anger about situations in my life. Like, I don't want to cry out to you. I'm mad at you right now. And there's a lot of other things that we could dig in into this verse. But the, for the biggest part, most of us, we're stuck right here. We're, our ability to go from here to there has stopped at the very first point because we're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Something complicated, yeah. I mean, I, just tell me to give, I'll do that. I'm not going to cry out and ask for his help, though. To get from here to there, the first thing we've got to do is we have got to cry out for help. You're like, I've done it before. It didn't work. You didn't do it long enough. Some of us don't do it because we simply truly don't believe. You're like, I believe. I believe. Well, the first part of believing is just saying, I'm going to cry out. We've, uh, we've cried out to God as a church corporately over the last few years on God, where you've brought us has been great. God brought his people to Egypt. Like, well, how'd they get there in the first place? His protection, his provision. Incredible story of God put them there and it saved them and built them into a nation. I mean, where we are as a church, God has brought us, God has put us here, and it's incredible. Thank you for it. But here is God is always a God of new. God is continually a God of doing something new, and we've been crying out to God. So to get from here to there, for you as a person, for us as a church, we've got to cry out to Him. But here's the next thing you can get from here to there because God hears your cry. Here's the very next verse. God hears your cry. Exodus chapter two, next verse, verse 24 says this. God heard the groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. 
He is a God of promises and promise keeping. Noah, I'm promising I'm going to make it rain. Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Uh, Jacob, I'm going to give you Israel, the thief on the cross. You'll be with me in paradise today. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The Lord says to you in the book of Hebrews, over 7,000 promises in God's word. If we want to get from here to there as a church, or you even as an individual, here you go, Finley, come and get this, buddy. Give it up for Finley, everybody. He's working double time today. If you want to get there, you got to cry out to God. And the next thing is this. You will get from here to there because he hears our cries. You as an individual and us as a church, we've been crying out to God, and God has really put us on a journey. It's been an incredible journey. I don't know if some of you even know the people in this picture. This is Generations Christian Church decades ago over here, some of these pictures. I mean, God is just so good as he has continually been with this church. We've taken trips. We've gone and seen what God's doing in other parts of the country. We've been like, God, hear our cry. What can you do? What, like, what, what can we do to go from here to there as a church? And the journey from here to there really is a few things. We want to like kind of look at the setting where God has put us as a church. We, want, we get to define the character of who we are as a church. Like that's something we get a vote on. And there's a plot, there's a story going on in your personal life, but right here where God is actively involved. But that center point right there, where those three things converge, the middle of that, that's what we want to get to. What's the big idea? What's the one thing that God is actually calling us to do? This is a missional drift. You guys ever hear of missional drift? It's when an organization says, we're going to do this. It's a great thing. And 20 years later, they're doing like the opposite. This is, this is a school in 1669 that said, we're going to put out preachers and we're going to be a voice in the wilderness. We're going to put preachers out. We're going to do it. Well, Today, because of uh, that guy there on the left, Mr. Quincy, Harvard University is no longer known exactly for putting out preachers. I do know one awesome preacher that came from there. There are some, but they're not known for it. Missional drift can happen to anyone. What keeps us as a church on that target where Jesus says, you're following me, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? That center point right there, uh, I think we'd have to start with setting. We are in the top growing counties in the United States. This place is slamming. There are people coming here. God has put this church at the crossroads to, to reach people. And I'm going to tell you what, it's not about us. You're here. you here on Sundays. Maybe you're here and you, you don't believe it, but there are a lot of people because I'm going to tell you what. If you look at this, there are thousands of homes coming from I-75 to GCC. And those people moving in, they need something for their high school students. They need something for their marriage. They need, they need friends. They need a place to belong. And of those people coming in, less than, less than 10% in our area right now actually go to church. When they say I go to church, that means they go one, one time out of five weeks. Where do you go to church? I go to Generations. That means they go one time out of five weeks. They're just busy. They're not like involved. Like we've got work to do. Like this place where God has uniquely put this church, we set at a place where we can have massive kingdom impact. That is exciting. God wants to take us from here to there. What about the character of our church? That's something that we get a vote on. Like, who are we? What are we actually like? Th these words here, we send an email out to everyone in the church. You're like, I didn't get it. Op come on, open your email. Come on, we don't send that many. We, it was like a blank piece of paper. Blank, and we said on the paper, you choose one word that you think is our church. You choose it. And we, we put this thing together, it's like a word draft. The larger the word is, the more people put it, right? And we just wanted to know, like, what do we all think we are called to do and be for Jesus? How are we gonna connect people to Jesus? This is printed right outside my office. The larger the word, the more people that 
you know, unprompted voted for that word. There's some of them like, ah, oh, that should be bigger, right? There's some like, ah, oh, that's great, that's great. We got a lot of people together in the room and we walked through uh, a difficult process of saying, we got to figure out uh, if we're going to get down to like one thing that is the white hot center of what God's called us to, what's that going to be? And we had to talk about our, our character and the voice and the tone of who we are. And we couldn't move to the next box until like 30 people agreed. And there were elders and people from the congregation, new people, people who had been here for 20 years. And I'm like, how are we going to get on one word? Well, other people have done it. Disney, they're one word, one word for Disney, magical, right? Magically makes your money disappear. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Volvo, you know this, safety, Volvo safety, Visa, they are everywhere. Here's one for all you guys. I know you know this one already. Hallmark, caring, shared, right? Right? <laughs> Grown. So who are we as a church? When all's boiled down and we're all boiled down, this is who Generations is. From here to there, we are Connect Deeply. It is this idea of connecting deeply. And immediately I'm like, oh man, it should have been Bible, right? I mean, it should have been Bible. God wrote the Bible. Or it should have been grace. Like we all need grace. Like how does it get there? Well, Jesus was asked this very question. They put Jesus in a corner and they said, Jesus, what is the one thing? What's the greatest commandment? And here's what Jesus said. They cornered him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first thing. And the second thing, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus took all of the Ten Commandments. The first of the Ten Commandments deal with your relationship with God the Father and how you connect deeply with God the Father. And the second of the Ten Commandments is how you connect deeply with man to man, your brother, the, your neighbors, the people around you. If this is good enough for Jesus, right? If Jesus is backed into a corner and they say, what's the one thing? What's the core? What's the center? Jesus essentially said, connect deeply with the Father and with others. I, I don't know how Connect Deeply is going to help us like, decide what color carpet should be around here, though, right? We, we, we just got to make decisions, or, you know, here's a big one, how loud the music's going to be. That comes up every now and then. Like, we got to make decisions, right? Like, real decisions, and how are we going to do that with just this one word? Well, uh, lots of people, and I believe Jesus did this, uh, they, they had filters through how they made decisions. I don't know if you've been to um, Eight Bucks lately, but when you go there, when you go there, They've got, they've got a phrase, okay? And their phrase is, uh, they've got a, a filter word and they don't tell you what their filter word is. It's for them, but it helps them make decisions. You hear it? You feel like you're at Starbucks right now? Nice ambiance, right? I'm putting you in the mood. Okay, they ask you your name. And if, you, if you're really nice, you tell them your right name, right? Don't tell them the wrong name. You're, you go four times a day. They know the gag, okay? You tell them your name and they give you a cup with your name on it. Their word for filtering their decisions is handmade. People that work at Starbucks and corporate know this. They make decisions. They want a handmade experience for you. That's, the furniture looks handmade. And the whole experience is crafted for you. It's handmade. So let me give you a couple of other examples so you get this idea. Because we've got to have some filter words for us so that we know how to make decisions. Here, here's a car manufacturer. Their words are luxurious Elegant, sophisticated, intelligent, okay? The car is Mercedes-Benz, okay? I'm not in one very often, but when I am in one, I'm like, man, I'm underdressed, right? Should be on the phone making, moving some money around in Luxembourg or something. I don't know. Give me my cell phone, right? Okay, here's a clothing manufacturer. Here are their words, their filter words. Comfortable, 
adventurous, eco-friendly. Some of you think you got it. You might be close. It is Patagonia, right? Doesn't it sound like Patagonia, right? I, uh, I've got one Patagonia shirt that Jennifer bought me, and every time I put it on, I'm like, man, I should recycle more, right? <laughs> I just feel guilty, right? It's like, I gotta, I'm, out, I'm out sorting plastics in the garage for 10 minutes. Uh, that, that's what they, and that helps them make decisions. So for us, if we are gonna connect deeply, what are our filter words that are gonna guide who we are as a body, as a church? What are they gonna be? Order matters, and the first one is biblical. Biblical. We believe that God's word is everything that we build our lives on. Matter of fact, he tells us this in uh, Paul's letter to Timothy. All scripture, God's word, is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's us, that's who we are called to be servants, we may be thoroughly equipped for everything that we've got to do, every good work. God's word has got to be the center of everything that we do. And so when we call people to this campus and they're a part of being with us and they're, they're around us here, we, we have things that are like fire and wood and rock and stone and earth because it communicates this idea of when you build your life on God's word and the church and the holy bride of Christ that's going to be with him in eternity forever, this world's waves will not knock it down. You can build on the foundation of the Bible. The next word would be genuine. We want to be genuine. And you know, when, you're, when you're, the grass is just flowing, that native Florida grass is just flowing in the winds and it says, come, sit down, have a glass of lemonade, hang out with me. You know, that, that rusty old gate, you think about that ranch hand and he goes to the same orange rusty gate every day and it's honest, it's true. You can, you can build on it. You know it's always going to work. We want to be genuine because I tell you what, I've known people before that they know God's word they kind of put it on the end of a stick and hit you with it, right? Right? It's like, it's true, but it hurt really bad. Jesus was all truth, but he also was kind. Right? So we can be both, right? We can be both biblical and genuine. Here's the, the next word. We want to be intentional about the things we do. I know some people that, they, that they're in God's word and they know God's word, right? And they're really kind. They're nice. But honestly, like you wouldn't follow them into battle because they're going to kill everyone around them, right? They're just not intentional. They know God's word and they're, they're, they're kind, but you're like, I'm not. we want to be strategic and tactical in the things that we do to connect people to Jesus. And that's why we're going to do some things and not do some things. This one's going to surprise you. I fought for this one. Passionate. I know you're really surprised. Um, it matters. Passionate matters because the, the gospel we have, the message we have about Jesus, I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, it is time-sensitive. It is urgent in people's lives. And if we don't get it there and get it there quickly, there will be eternal ramifications. Guys, I don't know if on this property, we have 30 acres here. We've just walked through a year and a half of master planning on how we can use this 30 acres to the highest glory of Jesus. That's the point. And it's a steward. Matthew 25, Jesus comes and he says, if you don't take care of resources I give you, well, you're gonna have explaining to do, Okay. And so for us, I don't know if we're going to have an Airstream kiosk serving coffee. I don't know. I don't know. Some architect put that in there. They thought it was cool. I, I, don't, I don't really care. Here's what I do care about, though. When you come and get a cup of coffee here, because you guys, people, when they get a problem, they don't automatically go to their pastor anymore and say, hey, I got a problem. They don't think that way anymore. 
Like the people we're trying to reach, maybe some of your kids, your grandkids, the kids you, you don't have yet, they don't think that way. It's called post-Christian thought because there's a real enemy we're, we're fighting here. Can I tell you who they go to? This is not going to surprise you because maybe you went to one of these people this week. They go to their barista, if they tell them the right name every time anyway. They go to the people that watch their kids. They go to the person in the, in the gym that's their, that's their physical coach because these are the people they're going to. These people have influence. So when we do sell coffee, it's going to be in an environment where you take that cup of coffee and you walk around this property and you say, is God real? Does God pursue me? And then someone like one of you is going to walk up and say, I see you here all the time. What's your story? And life is going to happen. Passion matters. I, did, I go, did I go forward? What happened? Let me go back. Here we go. This one is visionary. The last word is visionary. It's our birthright, you guys, says Ernie McManus in uh, The Barbarian Way. I love this quote. It's our birthright to be the fountainhead of creativity to the world. I mean, just pull that in. That's why I love this picture of this baby. When you were born into Christ and the spirit of the living God came and dwelled in you, you now have a father that gives you birthright. And your birthright is this, to be the fountainhead, the source, the water source of creativity. To the world. It's bubbling out of you. You know, when you try to get the kids to watch a Christian movie and they're like, I roll. Can I tell you how mad that makes me? Because the opposite should be true. Because our God made the Grand Canyon. Who laughs at the Grand Canyon? That's serious business, right? We got that in us. And as a church, that's how we should be. So all of these things together. Biblical, genuine, intentional, passionate, visionary. That's our character. So we got the setting with character. Here's the last thing. The plot. The plot. What's going on? Here's a, here's a churchy picture. I, don't, I mean, if you've done a Bethmore Bible study, you've probably like seen this on the front cover. Or, you know, it's, you expect to see this on a word today from your Bible app, right? And if you're like, where's that, where's that, that come from? Well, it actually, for me, it comes from a song. Do you guys know this? I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the water. I tell you what, some of you know that song better than that, and you're all shy right now. And you're like, I'm not going to, come on. I sang that. I love that song. It actually comes from God's word. A person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This idea of us growing in our relationship with God, like that's what's supposed to be happening in our community. That's what we're calling people to. That's what's attractive. But when we just, if we were to put this out on a billboard on 54, people would be like, I don't get that. I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to say. It's a metaphor. You got to go there on Sundays. They'll explain it. It's deep. I don't have the time. I've got a job. Right? That's why Jesus, his ministry looked like this, right? Jesus, he ate his way through his entire ministry, if you're not aware. <laughs> they were buying food, sending people to buy food, talking about buying food, making food out of nothing, making food that already exists better. His whole ministry was food. Matter of fact, he wrapped it all up like, let's have a meal. Do it every time you get together. I'm waiting to eat with you is what he said. It's about food. I love that for, for us in our culture. I think it looks like this. Do you know these people? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I feel like I know Joey and Phoebe and uh, that's Rachel and Monica. They're talking, I don't know, and Chandler's there, you know, making the moves on Monica and Ross needs to grow up and get a job, right? And like, at least be able to like, hey, Rachel, 
Rachel, you want to get married? That'd be a great place to start, Ross. Maybe we wouldn't have episode that's really bad than a U2 song plays. Are you tracking with me? Some of you don't know this show, okay? You're like, I don't watch that show. Okay, well, you probably watch this one, right? If it's not the Central Perk, it's Tom's Diner. If it's not Tom's Diner, guys, it's something probably like this, right? Happy days, you know, sometimes you just want to go where everybody knows your name. It's all the same place. And Jesus was invasive with the gospel. Can I tell you what the church looks like today? I mean, this, is, this is what the church looks like today. That cold, dark, empty place set back off the church, off the town square is a church in Europe. And I've, I've, I've been there. I've had Keith at a little place and, you know, there's nightlife and there's bars and there's young people and they're on their phones and there's music and there's street actors and all this great stuff is happening. And way over there in the corner, it used to have prominence, is a dark, cold, empty church building and nobody's there. And we're called to be the opposite because the ministry of Jesus said, I'm coming to you. I'm coming where you're at. I'm going to meet you where you are. And the gospel, the plot, the thing that's happening in our community needs us to be invasive and go after it and get into it and be a part of it and invade people's lives because our message is urgent. The heart of the story, that center place, when we take the setting where God has put this church, and the plot, we take the character that we get to all vote on, and what we really get is this, this incredible living church that's at the center we've built on four acres. We have 30. We've built on four at the center. How awesome is that? Right? We could be like that church in that busy center square except there could be so much life all around us where we are serving our community. So the big idea at Generations Christian Church is that we would build a community around us called the Commons at Trinity. Amen. I don't know if you know what the definition of the commons is, but it is something that is shared by, coming from, belonging to, or affecting the whole of a community. Doesn't that sound like the gospel? That we belong to it. And the gospel is affecting the whole of the community. And no longer do we have the audacity to tell people, you come here on Sundays at 9 and 11. If you show up, when we're ready, we'll tell you about Jesus. What? This is not what Jesus said. Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. I'm coming to your place, Zacchaeus. Matthew, get some food, right? Starting this party up. We need wine? Come on, I'll make it better. Get me water. I got a trick I do. This is what he did. And we've built these bastions of isolationism out in the dense forest. And people drive by and they're like, I don't know, it's a vet school, man. I'm going 50 miles an hour. I'm not going to slow down and read a sign. We leave here and go out and we truly believe that this four acres could be 30 acres fully developed called the commons at Trinity. Here are those words in a, a sentence that describes it. Amidst former cattle ranches and wetlands of the northern Tampa Bay region, a visionary community of disciples intentionally create the commons at Trinity as a place where passionate people connect deeply around biblical reality and genuine relationships. We've been showing people this for months and like the rumors get out there. Did you hear they're changing the name of the church? No, no, no. 
We are Generations Christian Church that's alive and God is doing stuff here. And we wanna serve people in this community. We wanna see that happen. What's that sound like in action? Here it is in action. We are a discipling church in the Tampa Bay area that gives the gift of community to the unchurched and the overchurched. Ever been there? So that abundant life happens. We are intentional friends, hosts, guides, mentors. We're key leaders that do whatever it takes to help people find home. And we wanna be an irresistible church that is Jesus-centered, rooted locally with global impact. We're passionate about connecting deeply with the right processes and teams and communications so people can belong and be known. Do you know that everyone who followed Jesus got to belong before they believed? You don't have to believe before you can belong here. Jesus wants you to get there, but Peter didn't totally believe before he belonged. Why would we put that on other people? We provide visionary spaces and places to experience true relationship, measured by participation, engagement, and progress. This is what community can be. I'm gonna tell you what, we do this, we serve first. And Jesus served first, inspiring people to grow through genuine relationships right now. Over the next two weeks, you gotta come back. We're gonna show you some incredible ways that we're gonna serve first. And it's starting, guys. Like, this is happening. Exciting stuff. We serve first through genuine relationships right now. We want to be an unstoppable hub for biblical transformation that results in a culture of disciple-making disciples with nearly 50 years and countless stories of change. Generations Christian Church is connecting deeply. Amen? Hey, Finley, could you come on out here, buddy? We're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna end this. Wherever you're at back there, come on out right now. There you go, come on. We need that prop and I actually need my Bible. There's a clock on the back wall, take your time. Hey, why don't you hold this up right here? Stand right up here. We, we need this graphic right up here, buddy. Right up here with me. They, they wanna see it big time. From here to there, as a church, we've cried out to God. Here's what God does when you cry out. He hears. God hears when you cry out. Last thing, though, is this. You can get from here to there because God cares about where you are. Here's what God's word says. You're like, oh, that's easy for you to say. Sounds pretty. Put it on a pillow. No, listen, here's God's word. This is alive and active. Exodus 2.25. Guys, it's the next verse. It says this. God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. They did this. Hold it up. Like shake it so they see it. Like it's clickbait. Yeah, they're like, okay, okay, okay. They did this. And he heard this. And he was concerned about him. He's like, well, he, he cares about them. He doesn't care about me. He cares about them. No. You, you can do this. And he will hear and he will care about where you are. This is a rough week. Guys, this, this, it's, it's, it's been a rough week. I don't care where you are politically. This is a rough week. If you're like, I'm not political. I don't know what's going on. I haven't seen news. I don't like, you know, come on. You, you know it's tense right now. 
These are tense times. Can I give you some perspective? Isaiah preached to a nation that was destined to doom. How about that, Isaiah? You're gonna go and preach. You're gonna preach to a nation. And by the way, I'm gonna, I'm gonna split that nation. Like, it's over. It's, that nation's done. Here's what Isaiah preached to that nation. Like, on the brink of destruction, Isaiah says this. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Can you not see it? Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is the message that Isaiah preaches to a nation that's in trouble. Well, that's one guy. Well, here's another guy. Here's Jeremiah. Jeremiah preached to a generation that walked away from God. In Jeremiah 31, 31, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Hear that word? New. He does new stuff. God right now is doing new stuff. Jesus physically preached to the most politically charged generation that was consumed by bloodthirst for revolution. They wanted revolution. They wanted every, They wanted to drain everything. Yeah. And Jesus said this in the midst of that, a new commandment I give you, love one another. He tells us in Colossians, put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of its creator. Do you get this? God does new stuff. He takes us from here to there. When we do this, when we cry out and he cares and he hears, you know what the gospel is? The gospel is patient. The gospel is love. The gospel is turning the other cheek. The gospel is letting Caesar do what he has to do because you are the citizen of a kingdom that is eternal. Let me, can I, can I infer something on that? Some of you are like, whoa, whoa I don't know, I don't know. Let me, let me put some stank on the word eternal so you get it. More significant. That's what he means by eternal. See, the God of this age, you're good, buddy. The God of this age is roaring right now. You're like, I don't know what that means. I don't like to say his name because I don't want to give him dominion here. But he was kicked out of heaven for disobedience. He's a snake and a liar. And that, that small g God of this age is roaring. And we need the sound of a different voice in our hearts. We need the sound of a different voice. Have you forgotten the lion who roams this earth that is seeking to devour you? It's loud this week, y'all. He's in control of all kinds of things to distract you from crying out to God. The lion, little G lion, wants to stop you from doing this. But have you forgotten that there's another lion? There's two lions in the jungle, y'all. The other lion is described this way. He is the lion of Judah. Hey, I want to make sure we understand the significance. I can put the cookies like right here where like I can get them. That sounds churchy, lion of Judah. I think that means something. Well, Judah was a tribe. Judah was a people group that cried out to God in Egypt. He's one of the sons of Jacob. And God heard Judah. And from Judah's line came Jesus. We can trace the ancestry. 
God heard you where you are right now in your place of Egypt and wants to take you to there from your here moment. That lion, the lion that is Jesus from the tribe of Judah, he is roaring. And his loud, loud roar, it's more definitive, it's more powerful, it's more joyful, and it's eternal. It is bigger than the cat's meow from the God of this age. And can you hear what the Lion of Judah is saying on your behalf? Can you hear him? Because he's heard your cry. He's saying this. Let my people go. Amen. On your behalf, let them go. They're mine. So church, I'll tell you this. Dawn is breaking. Lift your eyes to see that he is better than you dreamed and everything you lost, love will return. Let the wind blow and let the tide roll. Hit it, come on out, y'all. You guys, would you stand? We're gonna sing this and celebrate. Let my dry bones sing a new song till the whole world knows that all the glory to the God of love is due him. Revival is in the air. Catch it if you can. Lift your eyes to see he's better than you dreamed. Everything you lost, love is returning. Church, let's worship the Lion of Judah.